jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out Here we are at the end of Great Value Slashers, and I have to say that we spent an hour before recording this off the air talking about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. (laughs) And honestly, that's all I want to talk about, but I will press through my personal desires to talk about a Great Value Slasher. I would like to point out dramaturgically (laughs) oh i see that we began our conversation about real housewives of beverly hills (laughs) by by first discussing portrait of a lady on fire of course i mean which uh, naturally segued into real housewives (laughs) of beverly hills it's how women have evolved over the centuries great art baby great art great Uh, art about women the female gaze, a hyper feminist film, um, uh, ways of, of of women expressing themselves in media. You know, you have beautiful French period pieces. Uh, they're super feminist and thoughtful about you know community and ecology and art. And then you have Denise Richards and will she or won't she bang Brandy Glanville? <laughs> I mean. It is They're both gay love stories. Exactly. Is this not the evolution of women and lezzing out <laughs> over the centuries, the decades? The design of the scissors have changed over time. This but is true. The function remains the same. The function remains the same. And at the nexus point of all of these topics, well, I'm still unsure how she fits into Portia Lady on Fire, but Kyle Richards, let's be real. <laughs> I know we talk about Kyle Richards like every episode. I can't help it, listeners. I can't help myself. I just, I just love it. An hour of us talking about Real Housewives, like every two minutes we just stop and say, I love Kyle so much. I do love <laughs> Kyle. I know She's perfect. I know there are people out there who might even be listening to this who don't agree with that sentiment. And frankly, it's like you're speaking another language. Idiot. Here's the thing. We haven't finished season nine yet. Um... Because, wait, is that season nine is the one that's on Hulu right now? That just yeah. Went on? yeah, 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 yeah. Season nine, ten is ten is going to be like Chicago and um, Halloween bangs and the the Great Scissor Fest of twenty twenty. <laughs> but but we haven't finished season nine yet because when Stacy was in town visiting for our Portrait of a Lady Fire weekend, oh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire weekend, um, we had a giant list of all these movies we were going to watch. And then we just watched Real Housewives season nine because it went on like literally the day Stacy got here. Oh God, we did watch a lot fantastic. of movies though. We really we did. did. We, we did. People wanted to know what movies we were watching, and we did watch movies. We did. What did we watch? I forget. We uh, watched oh, um, the Lighthouse. We watched the Lighthouse. Oh, I... <laughs> love the Lighthouse. I love. Did you see now? It's like it's like a gay oh, frat it's... boy nightmare. It's so gay. 
How is that not what it like? The only thing people are talking about is how gay that movie is. How is William Defoe not an Oscar winner for this movie? He is this award season's is Tony Collette, as far as I'm concerned. The fact that he did not get a nomination is a crime. It's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. He was incredible. <laughs> You're fond of me, lobster. <laughs> I saw it. You're fond of me, lobster. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I love when he's like dance and then our pats just starts doing this little jig (laughs) it's i'm telling you it is it is the call me by your name we deserve it really Um, is i i love the lighthouse so much we watched that we watched uh we are what we are uh, the remake yeah i I saw that it was great yeah it's Um, that's one that like i i i think i need to stop now because it uh diminishing returns yeah yeah sometimes that happens with movies yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I had questions about some of its its construction, but man, I loved those leads. Yeah, the ladies I, are fantastic. But our, for real, man, Kelly McGillis. I know. <laughs> I love her so I love her. Much. I was so bummed, but, well, no spoilers. Um, like That in itself is a spoiler. <laughs> but also that scene when the kids run into her trailer and she goes, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> She's like eating her veggie lasagna or whatever. Um, oh, in, watched, in my skin. In my skin. Oh, my God, listeners. If you have not seen this uh, beautiful piece of uh, new French extremity. Fucked up. I had not seen it. I thought like the last like new French extremity film I had seen was like. I think Frontiers was like, or or Shaitan or something was like the last one I had seen mm-hmm. at that point in the chronology of me watching those films. And holy fuck. Yeah. Finally one directed by a lady. Well, I guess Claire Denis, Trouble Every Day. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here's one directed by a lady. Yeah, pl- who is also the star. Who is also the star. She wrote it. Um, and it's pretty much just her and mm-hmm. her gaze. Yeah. Um, and her eating her skin. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. It's fucking wild. Yeah. It's good shit, though. So good. Yeah. Have to, I, I still have to look away a little bit sometimes in that movie. Oh, my God. There, I remember one <laughs> Your face. I wish I had taken a picture of your face. <laughs> there was one <laughs> scene where I just had to stare at you because yeah. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, it's gnarly. I can't do this. And I even you like had your hand in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was oh, that movie, that movie. Yeah. But also like had really funny surreal beautiful bits that I like that Doctor Strange love sequence with her arm was amazing. Mhm. Um I think was that all the horror we watched? Besides Real Housewives? Besides Real Housewives? I think so. Oh, oh Child's, Child's Play 2. Child's Play 2. Man, Christine Elise. I mean, I, well, I've said it before on this show. Love her. Emily Valentine. Love her. One of those tragic cases where you say to yourself, you're not gay. Really? 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 With with those earrings and that beret. Like, I know that's design (laughs) and stuff, but like, really? this, This aesthetic, really? Those jeans, really? The jackets, come on. I mean, I've seen you on a tire swing or whatever yard swing she was on. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me that that's a heterosexual. No, no. Uh, oh, well. I yeah. was getting some like Kristen Stewart's from her. Mm-hmm. You know? 
In case of the Kristen Stewarts. Even when she shows up at end of Curse of Chucky. Like, or oh, Cult yeah. of Chucky. She's like full on, she looks full on Liz. Mm-hmm. It's tragedy. That's the sequel I want, is just Kyle just torturing that Chucky head forever. Oh, <laughs> so good. Man, I know we've, I mean, everyone knows we're Child's Play fans, stands here, but... God, that movie's good. It really <laughs> I is. Want I love it too. I really love it. I hadn't realized how Terminator it was before. It's um, super Terminator. So much more Terminator than any slasher movie. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched after you left. We caught up on. Um, I still have not seen. I have seen neither The Lodge nor Brahms The Boy Two. I will tell you this much. Me either. Brahms is getting terrible reviews. Okay, so I I'm heard... shocked. I'm shocked. Oh, I know. Well, we thought we were sure this was going to be a five star picture. <laughs> <laughs> the second they cast Katie Holmes, we knew it was mm-hmm. going to be good. Jason, um, no, no offense to Katie Holmes, I love her, but Jason said that he was reading some of the reviews, and apparently they do just retcon the whole thing. Oh, brother. And they literally are saying it's a haunted doll now. <laughs> like, oh, brother. I could not be more stoked. I love sequels that completely throw out their own mythos and what made the movie compelling to the point that I would come back to see a sequel. <laughs> Anytime someone like a computer made a movie. <laughs> like, That's come true. on. Yeah. I can't wait. Getting bad reviews. Haven't seen those. Um, we did watch Doctor Sleep. I saw that finally. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was open. I was really open minded to it because that got great reviews. It got fantastic reviews. Um, I was open to it because uh, yeah, I, I like Mike Flanagan. I heard it was fantastic. Uh, I I was like, uh, but I don't want to watch a movie starring Ewan McGregor. But then I saw Ewan McGregor play one of my new favorite gay characters in Birds of Prey. And so I was like, okay, I'll give this guy, I'll give him another chance. Um, man. <laughs> I First off, Jason put on the director's cut that everyone's creaming themselves over. That movie is 18 hours long. Does it, does it end hours. with a country song? It, it <laughs> Yeah. No, it ends with a... What's the shiny, the Wendy Carlos? Like, it just, it's just, they just keep playing that, <laughs> like, all the time. The whole, the whole movie is just, like, remember The Shining? <laughs> hey, Stacy, remember the, remember those twins? Remember when you could sit outside and think about The Shining? <laughs> <laughs> They're, uh, the... It's it's very well constructed. It's very beautifully shot. Like Mike Flanagan has d- always employs amazing cinematography. Um, Rebecca, Fer- I will say Rebecca Ferguson as M- M- Mike the Hat or Craig the <laughs> Claire the Hat, whatever Rose the Hat, Rose the Hat. Her as this like psychic vampire, or whatever. She was pretty great. Psychic vampire. I. <sighs> They're psychic vampires that look like Stevie Nicks groupies. <sighs> like they're like they're like Margaritaville. They're somewhere between Margaritaville and Stevie Nicks groupies, and they all wear sunglasses and they ride around in their um, ride with the devil mobile homes, and they just like suck the souls out of psychic children that have The Shining, and then this little girl that has The Shining now finds out about it, and then so she's trying she's trying to stop them, and then she gets Danny Torrance's help. And then, and then they're like, oh, well, now there's no place to, we have to trap the psychic vampires somewhere where we 
can finally stop them forever because they're unstoppable. So then they're like, oh, well, you know, remember The Shining? Remember the Overlook Hotel? <laughs> and then, Stacy, it is so shameful. They have Elliot from E.T., who was the dad. Of course, in... yeah, Mike Flanagan. He plays Jack Nicholson. What? And he does a full-on Jack Nicholson impersonation as, like, he's, like, the ghost of the bartender now. Like, he's... It's... Was so Christian shameful. Slater busy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and watching this guy try to do a Jack Nicholson, and they try oh, to, dear. like, shoot him in profile, so you it kind of looks like him. They give him his haircut and stuff. It's just, like... And it's a gorgeous movie. And do I have feel like I'm as someone who also is not really a big fan of The Shining. Do I have feels when it's like, oh, look, they com- completely reconstructed the hotel and here now they're back in the hedge maze. And like, so like, that's cool. But it's also like, this is literally just like masturbating over The Shining <laughs> and and the fact that they reconstructed oh, bits of boy. it. You, I just... you, would, you would not like it at all. I can tell you that. <laughs> I just... Uh... I it's mean, very well made. It's just, it's, there's no point in this story. And also it's like so, sorry, I'm just, it's also so reliant on AA as a narrative for like Danny and his salvation through AA that it's just like, what is this like culty? Yeah. It's just weird and culty. Hmm. Well, everyone loved it. Well, except me, apparently. Except you. <clears throat> Which, uh, you know, that's fine. I just, it must be a testament to Stephen King and Joe Hill being actually really good writers. Because when you lay out their ideas on paper, my God, their shit is so fucking corny. Okay. Oh, it's a car that gets so mad at people. Or like, you know. <laughs> it's psychic vampires. Psychic vampires. Like Stevie Nicks. This one, he's a rock star who finds a oh. fancy guitar. It's just like, oh my God, your stuff is so good. Co- oh, the nos- the vampire has a license plate that says Nosferatu. Like, well, that's how you know. And then you hold it up in the mirror and it says Udarepsi. <laughs> I did, like, it works, you know? Like, I love plenty of Stephen King stuff. I'm not that familiar with Joe but, Hill, but it's like, my God. That's the thing with this, is it, like, it the Stephen Kingness is what really damages Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Is, like, the writing. Like, Mike Flanagan is really, like, clearly being very uh, pure to the writing. And just, like, every character could easily be Fred Gwynn in terms of everything they say. However, Fred Gwynn makes it so fucking endearing in Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. because you just love him. Yeah. But then when you see, when you see like a guy with cornrows covered in tattoos being like, blueberries, that tastes just like blueberries. And he's oh, like no. basically talking like all the crazy new, like New England, Maine people that Stephen King writes. But every character talks like that. Interesting to me how he would be so faithful to Stephen King and yet not at all faithful to Shirley Jackson so much that he takes Shirley Jackson's words and has them coming out of the mouth of some dumb man. Mm-hmm. Interesting, mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan. You take Shirley Jackson's work and you have to spin it so much and make it unrecognizable and make it your own. Mm-hmm. And yet every fucking, oh, don't go in the road from Stephen King <laughs> is fine. <laughs> Whatever. I haven't That's... seen Dr. Sleep. I don't like Mike Flanagan. I said it. I know everybody fucking loves him and is humping his leg. I don't <laughs> like Mike Flanagan. There. It's out there. 
If we lose listeners, Anthony, I apologize, but I must, if one thing that the Beverly Hills ladies have taught me is I must speak my truth and and, own it and own it at least for now. Lisa Renna would be smiling upon you and stamping approval and then ask, and then giving it back to you in a QVC bag. It's, Thank um, you. that's what, and I like Mike Flanagan, but that's what I, that's, and one of the reasons I like him is because I always feel like he has really, um, a great eye for actresses and, and gives them at least things to do in his movies, which I appreciate. <laughs> Isn't that such a low bar? That's oh, such a low the bar. The woman, she had a thing to do. In but a she's like, about like in her. Hush, in Hush, she's like really cool. And uh, and I liked I liked um, the ladies in Hill House, except I didn't like when Theo uh, made out with the husband for no reason or whatever happened there. That made no sense. Mm. But in this... I was like, okay, well, at least Rebecca Ferguson and Alex Esso and Jocelyn Donahue and the new little Danny Torrance girl, like, at least them. But none of them get, like, Rebecca Ferguson gets to do stuff by being, like, uh, I was going to say, she's not really Margaritaville or Stevie Nicks. She's actually more like a Slash <laughs> cosplayer. Like, she has the hat oh, and the hair. She's totally Slash. Um, but, like, which is cool. But, like, uh, I think he just assumed that was enough for women to do in the movie, was just have the Slash cosplayer be Rebecca Ferguson, and she's really <laughs> rad. Alex Esso and Jocelyn Donahue don't do fucking shit in the movie. And they're barely in it, and I was so bummed. So bummed. I'm like, why would you put Jocelyn Donahue in a movie just to continue the problem of her career, which is being cast in tiny roles and not getting to do anything, even though we all fucking love her? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, Dr. Sleep. Whatever that song goes, it's fine. It was fine. It's down my list of priorities, you know. You never watch it. It's too long. Yeah. And you would get nothing from it. Yeah. I don't want my views to become too narrow, but also at the same time, I feel like they become narrower every day. If a movie doesn't uh, appeal to certain things, right now I'm just in a place mentally, perhaps it's our political climate, where I'm just like, I don't want to spend my time. I just don't care about... (laughs) I mean, that that was a huge problem with Doctor Sleep, was like, it's so much like an inspirational dude story. I don't care. And I'm just don't, I don't give a shit. I want to watch women les out in Gotham. Or I want to watch women les out in Beverly Hills. Or I want to watch women les out in um, uh, Brittany. That's, those are my interests. Yeah. (laughs) That's literally it. Yeah. Sorry if that's too narrow. But whatever. Well. And today we're we're covering a film in which I was thinking women were going to les out. I mean. Like, it's totally building up to it, right? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, there's stuff in this movie. We'll get to it. I'm sure. This movie. This this movie movie. that we're talking about today to finish off our great value slasher event stravaganza. 1983 mess called Curtains. I fucking love Curtains. It's Curtains for us, pal. It's curtains for great value slashers. <laughs> I don't want it to be. What? Curtains for great value slashers. But curtains is a great one to to go out on in this series, I think. Uh, yes. Uh, 1983. Oh, good year. Good, good year for the old slasher Um, Curtains is a big mess. 
How do you even begin to describe this film? I don't even know. There's so many twists. There's so and many. Turns. It had a very troubled production. This film began shooting in 1980. Uh, took place over several years. The producer and the director didn't get along. There were crew changes and rewrites and this, that, and the other thing. And it really shows in the final product, which is, like I said, it's a mess. It's also a gem. It's also a gem. Absolutely. It's uh, beautiful. Mm hmm. It's funny Mm -hmm. it has uh some incredible women that i just could not be more compelled to see on screen oh for sure it's just it's like you know it was like somebody wanted to make a slasher movie somebody wanted to make a more adult oriented mature thriller Mm -hmm. and those two subgenres are like battling with each other throughout this film and it's not enough of either one i think and I think that holds it back. It's it, I, you know, I love this movie so much. I fucking but, love it. <laughs> but I can see its two halves kind of fighting with each other. And it's like, if it had just gone one way or the other, it could be so much better. I will say in many ways, like, I think, I mean, obviously my Bloody Valentine is the pinnacle of this series that we've, this little mini series of ours. Yeah. But like... I want curtains to break through that glass ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it might be like in the moment, it might be the one I'm most fond of just Mm. because it is so fucking weird. It's really weird. And it is a mess. And I fucking love it. I mean, my bloody Valentine, is it technically perfect and so full of heart? Absolutely. Curtains is just bonkers and beautiful. And it, it's such a weirdo that I have such, uh, heart and i i guess somewhat sympathy for it also yes uh, i make more allowances for it i remember curtains this was actually only my second view i saw it for the oh, first wow. yeah i saw it for the first time years ago and i just fell in love with it and i remembered it pretty vividly um because i was so impacted by it and how weird it was um but i didn't remember it being as much of a mess as people talked about right like mm. Like that—that's something that's always attributed to it. Is that there's a—it's a jumble of m- multiple movies. There was that troubled history and its construction, uh, but wh- I will say, watching it this time, the movie I feel like completely works until that last act. Yes, and then it just—and then all the different threads that have been put out there just <laughs> basically once someone gets shot and falls out a window and then falls back into a window. <laughs> Out of physics work. I keep trying to picture it, and I'm like, did he fall out the window so hard that he, like, shot across a courtyard and went in another window? Did he just go out, and then the wind pushed him through a lower-level window? It just, I don't understand it. Every he time I watch it. bounced on a really sturdy tree branch, and then oh, that just could rolled be. him in. Those Canadian tree branches. They are sturdy. They have to be up north. God, those Canadian... I mean, just the Canadian films are so sturdy. It's you know, up north. They just do it better, right? I just... I, I hope it's listening. But I just want to give a shout out to Canadian horror films. Because it's like... Th- there's not a lot of them. But the ones we have are so oh. fucking good. This, My Bloody Valentine, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. My Black Christmas? God. Black Christmas. Could you David ask- Cronenberg? Like, Could you ask for better genre films? Yeah. 
they're weird, they're luscious, Mm -hmm. they do things just differently enough. Yep. And they really stand out, and they are so iconic. I fucking love Canadian horror films. Mm -hmm. High five Canadian horror films. So I feel like once once the the physics question mark happens in the film, <laughs> which I love, right. it's so great. But yeah. from that point on, then the movie just really loses it. Yes. But I feel like up until that point, it's a perfect fucking movie. Oh sure, yeah. It's just the, it's really the last act that kind yeah. of it feels like they had no script. No. You know. That said, it's still a great set piece. That chase. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the, I love, I love the killer. I love the killer reveal. Yes. I'm so here for it. It's just, yeah. did I want other things to happen in addition to, as well as such as, oh, yes, I did, baby. Right. And like you said, I love these women. I love this cast oh. so fucking much. Why don't you, uh, I'm going to make you do it. You tell God them damn it. Well, I mean, the, the short and simple of it is, is there's going to be a movie called Audra about some fucking bitch named Audra. No one knows anything <laughs> about it. And a bunch of actresses go to this asshole director's house where he puts them all in uncomfortable position. Me Too's a bunch of them. Oh, it's so Me Too. And uh, someone is killing all of them. Who is it? The end. Um... <laughs> You just did it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all there is to it. That's literally it. Yeah, I mean, when we have this history between this creepy fucking, um, also, also breaking news as we were recording today, Harvey Weinstein was found guilty. Oh, what a good day to be recording this. Is it not so fucking satisfying? It's so satisfying. I mean, that's the thing I kept writing down in my notes and coming back to is like, this movie is so proto- um, broaching that conversation about bullshit men auteurs mm-hmm. uh, and and this that 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 expectation of their of their actors and the backstabbing and the assault and the entitlement to their bodies and like the even like I like thinking about just like how Stanley Kubrick treated um, perfect uh, Shelley Shelley Duvall right like yeah. It's right. all, like, it's all in is... service of the art of, like, the men's art. And so yeah. the, the women are just nothing but props, basically, to be manipulated and used and abused at the yeah. will of the director. And so this, this fucking piece of shit scumbag, Jonathan Stryker, who is credited as the director of the film because Richard Chupka... Uh, removed his name from the film yeah (laughs) um which is kind of funny i mean i'm like well that really sucks but even that speaks to the charm of this movie is like the director removed themselves and then they're like okay well let's make it meta and the director of the of the audra film is also directing this movie (laughs) right instead of the usual alan smithy yeah yeah they're like no it's gonna be jonathan striker yeah (laughs) jonathan striker is a is a harvey weinstein piece of shit um and good riddance to Harvey Weinstein. So exciting that he was found uh, guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Jonathan Stryker, like Stacy said, he's making this film Audra. Uh, Samantha Sherwood, who is his like go-to actor, um, is going to play Audra, but she really needs to nail. Like Jonathan Stryker has these exacting ideas of what their what his actors must do, and he really gets in their heads and mind fucks them and tries to get them to perform in terms of what he wants. So she decides to commit herself into an insane asylum to figure out and to, and to go full method and to really get into the head of a, of a madwoman. Um, 
he basically abandons her in the asylum, uh, decides to cast the movie with other people. He reaches out to six different actresses. They're all going to come stay at his weird, like, Patrick Nagel Chateau. That's <laughs> That has a theater in it? <laughs> it has a theater in it. It has his, like, it has his prop labyrinth. Where he shack, where he keeps all of his set pieces and props. Um, it has it has a, a barre studio. Like it doesn't make any sense. It is every all the windows are like backlit Aubrey Beardsley illustrations and like weird marble sculptures of naked men holding up orbs of la- of light like lamps. It's so weird. Fucking love this house in this movie. It's very like Hill House adjacent, but if Hill House was like a gaudy eighties yuppie, like <laughs> if, a, if a theater, if a theater fag built Hill House, yes, <laughs> yeah, we'll put more baubles on the lamps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to feel like Mame. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say Mame, but also Salon. <laughs> <laughs> all it's missing, all it's missing is like, um, like a lime green or lilac shag carpet. Yes. It, but it really, it's a spectacular backdrop. Uh, Samantha Sherwood break, gets word um, of of this, this casting on, on audition process that's happening behind her back while she has been literally abandoned to um, the mental health system. And she she breaks out. She's informed by a lady friend who we know. Okay. What? Okay. Can we talk okay. about Okay, this? time what? out. Time what out. The fuck? This is the... I have questions. I have a lot of questions about the lady friend. Right? So Samantha Sherwood breaks out. The, the Early on, we find out that she is going to go to this chateau and figure and, and, and cause like start shit and try to get back into the role of Audra and compete with these six other actresses. But we see, we see Samantha Sherwood, who is a motherfucking boss, and oh, yeah. it's such an asset to this film. We see Samantha Sherwood; uh, she has been handed the headshots of all the actors that are being employed for this audition, and she is setting them. She is dropping them all into the fire, and she is being she has broken out and is being informed by her friend. Her friend. Friend. Her friend who cares about her, and that's why she told her about this audition process, they are seen in a, an intimate um, bedroom lit by a fireplace. They're both sitting in 90s. Mm-hmm. Samantha's sitting in front of the fire, chucking all of these headshots into the fire as she gets the dirt on every one of the actors. And then the friend... We never see her face. We see her legs. We see her laying in bed smoking. She's laying in bed smoking. It's a post-coital scene, is it not? It is. It must be, right? The camera pulls back and we see just the hair of the woman. And we hear her voice and we see her nighting. We see her legs. We see her smoking. They're in in very intimate quarters with a fire in front of their bed in their nighties smoking. Yeah. We never see this woman again. <laughs> never see her. Don't like know who she is. Whatever. She, but she busted Samantha out of the mental hospital. So I was thinking, having not remembered exactly how it ended, because I remembered it vividly for years until I smoked enough weed that I forgot everything about curtains except who the killer was. <laughs> not remembering that on this view, when Samantha comes back into the kitchen towards the end of the movie, and she then sees who the killer is i was assuming that that was the woman that informed her and they were in cahoots 
And it was a lesbian um, murder pact. Oh, imagine. Which I feel like is what the script was leading to until the reshoots of the ending, right? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that would be good. I, this is a That's movie That's the movie that I want! I would love to see a remake of this. You could stack that cast like oh nobody, nobody's business. Uh, it could, like, in a post-Harvey Weinstein world... Like, it would just be so much more pointed. You could make it a lot more pointed. Ugh. This could this could be a really good remake. Think of the actors. We could have Rose McGowan, Asia Argento, Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Richards. <laughs> Kyle Richards. <laughs> Stacey, you are right, though. We could Suspiria the shit out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Blumhouse. Blumhouse. $50. You're listening. $50. We will oh, remake yeah. curtains for $50 and you'll pay for Kyle Richards. <laughs> she keeps the bangs. God. That's yeah. what it's that's actually the new title is She Keeps the Bangs. <laughs> curtains, colon. She keeps the bangs. No, the curtains are refer- the curtains for her forehead. <gasps> curtains for her face. <laughs> curtains parentheses for her face. The Kyle Richards story. <laughs> And stole the art of the Canadian slasher. I mean, that's the next Halloween film I want to see. (laughs) Halloween. 3.4. Halloween, colon. Halloween, colon. Curtains. Parentheses. For her face. The Kyle Richards story. Starring Kyle Richards and Jamie Lee Curtis. Blumhouse. Once again, $50. We saw how badly Fantasy Island did. Exactly. We're standards. The bar is low. Why not add a barre studio in a chateau (laughs) to that bar? Hmm? There you go. I this would be so fresh. This would be perfect territory for a remake. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I wanna see. I want to see. This is the thing. I still love Curtain so much. Right. Oh, I yeah. really, I, I mean, for all its faults, I think it's perfect. Yes. I, now, being a little older, a little wiser, and a lot more les, I want, <laughs> having seen what I saw last night and and convincing myself that that scene was going to come back in the ending. Yeah. I want that movie. Mm-hmm. How good would that movie be? It'd be so good. Oh. It'd be so good. And they're teaming up. She Samantha Sherwood gets rid of her shitty director. Mm-hmm. And then and then they, gets to be an actor. Yeah, they make their own Audra. They make their own Audra because they don't need the auteur anymore. Women can direct movies now. We've changed <laughs> things have time changed so much since nineteen eighty three. So, um, I feel like before we go any further, we should address the women of the film. Oh, I mean. Of of which there are, like, there are six, but we only really get to know, like, three. (laughs) For sure. But, I mean, there are, there's, horror fans should know the majority of these women. Yeah, there's seven. Sorry, there's seven women. You know? I mean, Samantha. You have Samantha Egger. Can't go wrong with Samantha Egger. Star of The Brood, which I'm not naming any names, 
But I know some people who have still not seen The Brood. Wow, what awful sounding people. <laughs> I don't know why I associate with Here's them. the thing. Jason said, you know she's a star of The Brood after I watched it. And I was like, I need to watch it now. Oh, now? Okay, I see. So now mm. I've been convinced. Me creaming all over it. Ew, I'm sorry. <laughs> Me standing for it. <laughs> Isn't enough. <laughs> Is that what our listeners are called? Our creams instead of stands, they're creams. No. They. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. That's just wrong. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> Hashtag no. Hashtag no. No. Hashtag yeah. not my creams. So, man, she. If you loved her in this, you are going to lose your mind over the brood. She classes up curtains like a motherfucker, does she Wait not? until you see the brood, my oh, friend. Oh, I'm dying. I'm telling you, you should bump that up to the top of your list. Well, maybe I'll gotta. Maybe I gotta. I think you gotta. Uh, we have Lynn Griffin. Incredible. From Black Christmas, God, of course. I fucking love Lynn Griffin. She is so good in this. that She's it so just good. It made me wish that she, I mean, she's been in a ton of stuff, but like horror movies in this era, I want her to be in all of them. She just, her face lights up your life, right? Yes. Yeah. She decorates our lives. She decorates my face. (laughs) With her face. And she is, she plays Patty O'Connor, who is um, the stand-up comedian who is wanting (laughs) so badly to be an actor. And you know, we establish that she is a stand-up comedian because when we see her, when we see Samantha going through all the headshots, we see brief backstories of all the characters. And we see Patty O'Connor doing her stand-up and her stand-up sets up the synopsis for the film. Mm -hmm. And that's how we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she does it again at the end, her stand-up routine, and you're like, oh my god. Wow, she meant all of that for real. She meant it. Wow. I thought it was just jokes. There was another ending to that ending. Yes. And I wish it was that one also. That will Mm. be in our remake as well. Yes. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that was standard slasher fair scene. Yeah. Somebody thought it was too ludicrous to have a corpse party. Oh, well. but the corpse party is the best part of every slasher, especially a slashers from 81 to 83. Mm-hmm. My God, how fucking... That's the only way it could be more iconic. Right. <laughs> it's Literally. True. It's true. Uh, <clears throat> we have Leslie Donaldson from Funeral Home. From Happy Birthday to Me. Mm-hmm. She's uh, the iconic ice skating kill scene. God. Right? It's so weird, but it works. It's so weird and all... <laughs> Here's what I have to say. Everyone has their talents in this film. Like, um, yes. Patty O'Connor <laughs> yeah. is the comedian. She also wears a lot of purple. Like, Samantha <laughs> is the actor, you know, the, the grand dame, and she wears a lot of red. It's very, like, Clue in this way. Yes. Um, the, the ice skater, she only wears doilies and ice skating outfits. <laughs> like, you, when she's walking yeah. up to the house, like, you could, you could not be wearing a sweater or a hat that more says, I am a figure skater. It's true. Um, we also have a dancer who we'll get to also. But everybody, all of, everybody that, like, everyone is just okay at what they do. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just okay at, at figure skating. <laughs> right, yeah. The other, the dancer's just okay at, at her performative movement. <laughs> yeah. 
Which is ironic because she's actually like a choreographer. Oh, wow. The what? dancer. I thought yeah. she was fine. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> I don't think she speaks in this movie at all. No, I don't think she does either. But that's fine. And, that's okay. And we all saw <clears throat> Patty stand up. It, it's just a synopsis. Yeah, it was real bad. <laughs> but I and, love these women. And then you have Tara, played by Sandy Curry, uh, who was in Terror Train. And I guess her special ability is she's a slut. Yeah, that's her skill. She, <laughs> that's her special skill. That's the only she, thing she does. She does sex with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Linda Thorson, who I felt like I should know, she's the, the one with the really severe perm. Oh, uh, she's Brooke Parsons? Brooke Parsons, Brooke yeah. Who is, Brooke, who is the serious actor, but not quite yet the grand dame that yes. Samantha Sherwood is. Yeah. And I thought man, that perm is riveted to her. That head. perm is severe. <laughs> like wow. Um I thought I should know her from something, but I looked at, and I looked her up on IMDb and I don't really know her from anything. She but I, looks like someone. She looks like someone, but I did see that she has a credit for a TV show called <laughs> Sylvia Plath Girl Detective. <laughs> oh my god, did we write it? <laughs> And I'm like, that is a fucking Gaylord show, first of all. <laughs> Sylvia Plath girl did... What the fuck? I don't know. You know what the kids want these days? Is you know? Nancy Drew for the Belchar generation. Yeah. Like, what is, yeah. what is what that? If, hear me out, hear me out. What if Nancy Drew was a manic depressive... Who put her head in the oven? Who stuck her head in the oven? <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> All the little kids watching it. What if, before <laughs> she killed herself, Sylvia Plath solved crimes? She was a girl detective. She was a girl detective. Little did you know. Oh, my God. Before she went to Smith, she solved mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I fucking quit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah, she has this Brooke Parsons. She has 2 inches of hair on that head and it is it, it is, is all perm. perm. <laughs> yeah. And then each little individual curl also got a perm. Yeah. Like and they all really mirror her eyelashes, which are also severely <laughs> mascaraed. She's just covered in eyelashes. Yeah, the early 80s were not always kind to women's hairdos. No, no, this honestly. is true. Honestly, it's true. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. And then there's, who is the blonde actor? I, I don't know. I don't know her character's name. I don't know her actress's name. Because I'm too distracted by the fact that she engages in one of my favorite. Is it a trope? Is it a trend? I don't know, but it's something that I love from early 80s horror films, which is women wearing numbered jerseys as nightshirts. It's a good fucking look, it's is it not? It's a good fucking look. It's a, I was like, I was like, honestly, I, I turned to Maddie and I was like, is that a baseball jersey or a football jersey? Is that, what is that called? How do I order it? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is a great look. It's sexy. It's sexy as shit. Joe Beth Williams in Poltergeist. Like this, it's just one of my favorite things. And it was a trend for a little while. And we saw it in horror movies a lot. And then it went away. And I don't know why. Uh, could, Bring could it, it back. Couldn't you, like, don't you feel like we've been denied? Like, how many teen slashers from the late 90s, early 2000s could have benefited, like, seeing Rose McGowan in that? 
Or mm-hmm. seeing, oh, seeing Denise Richards in that. Mm. Please. Could you imagine, Stacey? Don't. I can't. Ski because Ulrich you know. In a <laughs> <laughs> little nighty. Yeah, oh. he's a lesbian, right? Oh, my God. You know how my Denise Richards feelings have changed thanks to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. No, I'm not going to do a half an hour uh, aside on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I will just say that I didn't know I had Denise Richards feelings, really, until I see her on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I'm going to say, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I mean, I've always liked her. That's fine. But I just had no idea. I love her. She's perfect. You didn't realize that she's such a motherfucking angel sent from heaven. She really is. Who we must protect. I really didn't know. Protect Denise Richards at all costs. All costs. I fucking love Denise Richards. That's why I can't stop showing Denise Richards movies here in Portland. (laughs) She's perfect. I fucking love her. She would be great in our Curtains remake. She would. Do I want to just cast Real Housewives in it? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's get Eileen Davidson back. Oh, Eileen would be a great Samantha. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm. Stay tuned for our Real Housewives podcast. (laughs) Yup, it's coming. It's coming. So the blonde actor, um, she never makes it to the, the, to the Chateau audition. No. Because she's too busy sitting at home, putting on her her jersey look, which is a it's a fucking fantastic look. She does a f- one thing that I love in movies, where she does a full face of makeup just to sit at home on her bed by herself. <laughs> but then we realize, oh wait, it's not just to sit at home by herself because then an intruder breaks in. It begins to devolve into a rape scene, but it's actually a rape fantasy that she acts out with her boyfriend yeah so the movie is still continuing i think continuing to address this weird territory of like assault and all this stuff but in this instance it's like giving her some agency in it right right um but it's still fucking weird to watch (laughs) it really is it's really weird uh and basically they're trying to perk up their relationship um by that it's really fucking weird it's her idea and um, the the boyfriend leaves, and then we get the doll. That doll. You know we're fans of I... dolls, people. This doll, though, might be a doll too far. It's a doll too far. <laughs> Why does she have it? Why do people Why have does dolls? Why does she have this doll? Why does she have this doll? My dolls understand. are cool. Listen. Dear... <laughs> Don't come for me and my dolls. Dolls are also of a reasonable size. That's true. People have these oversized fucking dolly dearests hanging around, and it's like, what? Why Why, are they? Why? Why does she have that? I I shit myself scowl on her face. Yeah. And she's and and anytime your doll has the arms outstretched, so she's reaching at you with her claw hands. Enough to gouge your flesh. What the fuck? Annabelle doesn't even have those claw hands, except in that one promo where they gave her a manicure that she never had. (laughs) 
I, it's also it's like it's always weird when like she doesn't have a doll collection. She just has this one hideous doll for some reason. This one doll that haunts her in her nightmares, but she still has it. <laughs> like right. She has yeah. nightmares that it's gouging her 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 wrists and she's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And then she wakes up and is like, "Oh no, my horrible haunted doll is still right there. It's fine. Get good. <laughs> it's not actually it- killing me." It's very strange that this movie gives elaborate backstories to some of the characters. And you say to yourself, did you mean, I like, I know the ice skater, the figure skater had a backstory that was cut, etc., etc. But it's like, this character gets this huge rape fantasy sequence, which is totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she gets killed in her own apartment. Yeah, like, and it's, it, I mean, the movie, if anything, is wrong with the first half of the film which it's just it's not wrong but like because I, I think the movie's br- really fucking brilliant up until that last 15 minutes but but the beginning there's like one too many beginnings yes because we have we have the audition then we have the insane asylum and that whole setup which then just devolves into the actual plot which then sets up all the women but then we have this opening with the blonde that really is so extended but then she dies yeah, and when, but some of that time could have been used to focus on I don't know the dancer, right? Or, who doesn't have any lines? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or the character who is supposed to arguably be the final girl, right? Who is, is she? The same character that is this the basically the slut, right? Yeah, the yeah. sex one. Yeah. yeah, that's like yeah when they're when um, Brooke says I'd kill for the part, and she says I'd fuck for the part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's great. But like. She is our she is our heroine that we get a huge extended chase sequence with in the final act of the movie, but we have never gotten to know her. <laughs> yeah, Except- we don't know any. And it's like, why are all of these women auditioning for the same part? Like, yeah. why do you have the mute dancer who's like tw- <laughs> 20 auditioning against Samantha Sherwood? Samantha fucking Sherwood. Yeah, even even. um, Well, like and then it's it's interesting, too, to me that they're all brunettes. Uh, yes. But I did think it was funny that the blonde get killed first, because obviously the biggest competition <laughs> for a Hollywood right. film is the blonde. Yeah. Yeah, so, we get the super duper extended opening in the mental hospital, which I will say, again, it's one of my favorites. Trends, tropes, whatever in films. And maybe it's problematic. I apologize if it is. But, like, bad movie mental hospitals. Oh, Tickle me. They are, I want to play all of the background (laughs) mental patients. And let me tell you, Curtin's fucking goes for it. You have the tickler who comes up to Samantha Sherman. is like, (laughs) and tickles her for like 30 seconds. In my my notes, I I named her tickle me wheelchair perm. Yeah. (laughs) You have her. You have the one who like eats Monopoly money. Like it's just. Not realistic portrayals of mental illness at all, or maybe it is. I don't know. I've they never are, spent time. They are all played by you. <clears throat> they are, but I mean, I want to play the Monopoly money eater who's just like <laughs> <laughs> and just like stuffs her mouth with Monopoly money. And Samantha Sherwood is so compelling as as a fellow patient who just stands and stares in horror at all of them. Yeah, the one who is just, like, in the background screaming and then shows up after a lobotomy. Like, I just, all of those, like, I just love those kind of characters. And you get it even to, like, a lesser extent 
in you know prestige pictures your your girl interrupted like oh, is yeah. the is the ice cream parlor scene not just another type of monopoly money eaters oh my god you know? you're, and i love girl interrupted but you i love right. girl interrupted you're yeah. right and, it is and they're, they're making fun of that image a little bit but also like these movies tend to either be the monopoly money eaters or have a heartwarming like oh look at them they're all mentally ill but they can sing and dance together but they went bowling but they <laughs> lip sync to you don't own me or whatever you oh, know i love girl interrupted yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so true though yeah versus so. the reality is just like people on meds yeah, people just—it's just very sad. Smoking, yeah. Yeah. like people—people people smoking and yeah. zonked down on meds. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love that. I just—how does Samantha it. break out? I want to see that backstory. Yeah, when her lesbian, her gal pal, uh-huh. comes and absconds with her. Maybe it's like that uh, famous story of the woman who posed as a nun. And went in and broke her lover out, right? Julie. What? Daubigny. Yeah, she like posed as a nun and like broke into the convent so she could escape with her lover. Her gay lover? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, why isn't that a movie? Why isn't that a movie? Why isn't, that's our, ro- why, why have they made 10,000 Robin Hoods, but I've never seen that? The apostrophe A-U-B-I-G-N-Y. Julie Daubigny. Yeah. So where's where's that backstory? Where's that backstory? I want to see Samantha Sherwood throw one of those what what is it called? The the thing that you throw over up on a roof and then it goes clang and then you scale the rope. A grappling hook? Yes, where's Samantha Sherwood's grappling hook? Right. Well, the lesbian throws it up there. Oh, they do. And then Samantha climbs down. Yes, and then they and then and then the next shot is the postcoitus. Of them in front of that fireplace (laughs) smoking in their 90s. Burning pictures of other women. Oh my god. (laughs) It's so good. We need to remake Curtains, I'm telling you. Yeah. Fucking love Curtains. Fucking love Curtains. Uh, Also features a head in a toilet. I was gonna say, in in lieu, in line with another 1983 film, Mm -hmm. which we also reviewed for Great Value Slashers, House on Sorority Row. Mm-hmm. Once again, the finding of the head in the toilet. Head in the toilet. Uh, it's got even just the 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 title placard, the red letters oh, that drip blood. So good. I love that. I love. I just love the prime slasher era, and this hits for as crazy as it is, as messy as it is, and disjointed or whatever. It still hits so many of those little mm-hmm. tropes and treasures. That I love. Well, and all those details, like it is a like the um, it's a beautiful movie, and then and even just, just like the the how de- well designed those title cards are with the drips of blood, and then the use of curtains to actually create scene transitions, mm-hmm. like those green sc- screen curtains that are just like that f- slide in off, in off screen <laughs> to change the scene. It's like. I mean, people people lose it over the the nostalgia of like the Star Wars wipes and stuff. But right. this is like the perfect slasher theater nerd <laughs> like mm-hmm. version of that. I fucking love it. And mm-hmm. and all oh my god, all 
the whites and pastel pinks and purples in this movie. Yeah. That ice skating sequence. I mean, everyone knows how iconic that is if you're anyone, right? I would think. But how did they make that, like, snowy, white, icy ice skate scene so pink and purple? Mm -hmm. Like, it just glows pink and purple, and every part, every faggoty part of me was just like, oh my god. (laughs) Is that mohair? (laughs) (laughs) But it's so not, I mean, that it's iconic, and yet it is so pastel, pink, purple mohair. Mm -hmm. Outdoors, in the winter, everything sparkling white, and yet it's weirdly terrifying at the same time it's like you don't see that in horror movies especially slashers yeah and then you get this beautiful sequence of her just just okay ice skating (laughs) and it's gorgeous and then you get fucking granny slasher (laughs) what the fuck is the mask in this movie the doll is weird enough and the fact that the doll shows up again like the killer takes the doll from the blonde's house for for why? Like, maybe I'll distract why? someone with this doll later. Yeah, like, gonna, that's your plan? <laughs> I'm going to go out to the ice, to the ice, the, the frozen ice, lake, creek, whatever. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to bury the doll in the creek? snow. Creek? You, you know that's not a creek. I don't fucking know rivers. You know, yes, you do. You know that that's It could be a large creek. creek. Maybe it's a delta of a creek. Is that how? <laughs> it's a pond. It's a pond. Thank you, Stacy. It's My a pond. You're wrong. It's a pond. So. <laughs> a creek. It's a pitchfork. There's your P word for the day. Ponder. <laughs> Thank you for helping me remember the word pond. <laughs> I not remember the Not to be like, I mean, I'm well, not, I'm not one of those Subaru Outback nature lesbians. Like, that's not me. But I know <laughs> that it's not a creek. I guess a creek is more like a table runner, but for water, right? Sure. Thank you for giving me that. <laughs> so the killer <laughs> buries the fucking annabelle proto annabelle scat baby scowls a lot doll in the snow besides the what we now have been informed is a fucking pond because we know that the ice skater who's just okay at ice skating goes out to the pond to ice skate first thing every morning yeah so uh, the killer just assumes that the person that the ice skater is going to be distracted by this doll and then that's the perfect time to also put on one's ice skates and one's granny slasher mask yeah she gets into that like black outfit it's real scary and i just was thinking as she was skating i'm like this is scary also this is so stupid it's so stupid but it is fucking scary because it's so weird and it does the daytime horror it does daytime horror, that which you I never love. see. Yeah. You cannot get more daytime horror than having pink and purple and bright white ice skating mm-hmm. in the middle of gorgeous nature and then have fucking grandma mask flying at you with the sickle. I just imagine, like, this is one thing that, like, when you have seen the film and you know who the killer is, you realize how much the killer bumbles around. Yes. She gets knocked down a lot. She, like, she doesn't... And I think that works when it's revealed who it is. She, it's not Michael Myers. Yeah, it's exactly. It's not superhuman thing. She gets pushed over. She gets... She's very easily outrun. She'll pass out. She passes out. Um, and so I just am imagining her sitting there tying up her ice skates. Like, it's just... <laughs> so 
weird, but it works. It's kind of the mask. Baby. The mask makes that gigantic mask makes sense when you think about how much hair she has to hide under that mask. That's it's a lot of hair. She just has so much hair. Like I'm convinced she knitted that purple sweater out of that hair. <laughs> oh, that frumpy her those frumpy that like quilted skirt and that purple sweat. God, it's so good. Yeah. The fashion in this movie. So that that granny mask is fucking terrifying and weird. Yeah. It gets even worse when like I love how much these the, the props just like like you get to see like oh that was the mask was packed in the killers things right she had it in her suitcase yeah she because she also packed the doll for some reason too which the doll we never see again after basically after the ice skating sequence right the mask um comes back when when fucking asshole jonathan striker publicly humiliates samantha by putting a mask on her the ugly granny mask on her forces her to um to to seduce him with her eyes and without doing anything while wearing this ugly ass fucking mask. Doesn't even give her a chance to do so. Rips the mask off her and makes her leave. Ay, ay, ay. So it's also kind of nice then that we get, I don't know, the, the mask becomes a tool to um, humiliate and shame these women, but also it becomes a tool to, to <laughs> well, I guess murder them. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I suppose it's meant to create a bunch of red herring. Yes. That you don't know who the killer is because everybody's got the mask. The mask is passed around. Is it Stryker who's killing these women? Mm-hmm. Is it Samantha Sherwood who we've seen rip- burning all of their photos and escaping from the asylum to, to come to this place? Right. Yeah. Is, is it Brooke Parsons who keeps saying I'd kill for that part? Right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of looks, when Brooke Parsons is um, <laughs> doing her nails and then she she hears the water dripping in the bathroom. And she's like, yeah. is that water dripping I hear? So she puts on her baby blue heels to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why does she put on her heels to investigate? Why does she put on her heels? In her little nighty to just go pop her head into the bathroom right next to her room. <laughs> it's so weird, but it's such a good look. It's such a good look. The movie is very, very visually stunning and yes. really thoughtful in that respect, where it's not so thoughtful about its cohesion or the out- final outcome of its script. No. But the other the other uh, moment to talk about, I think, in terms of, like, this, you know, predating Me Too and mm-hmm. exposing the male director and all that, is the scene where he has the dancer, Lorianne, uh, working with Tara... Oh, supposed yeah. to be seducing her and you don't know what's going on at first but Lorianne is like she has her eyes closed she is visibly shaking yes while she's like undoing Tara's blouse and like is supposed to like caress her breasts or something mm-hmm. and then Stryker pops in and is like you're supposed to be seducing her you're not supposed to be yourself you put yourself in the mindset of the man who's seducing her and it's like what is he doing like to make an actress do this mm-hmm. for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Like, what? When she's visibly, like, so fucking disturbed by it. All he does is break down the women, berate them, and then go show up to their rooms and fuck them later. Yeah. It's actually yeah. a remarkably unsympathetic portrait of a man for a slasher movie at this time. Yes. And it helps that uh, Stryker is played by John Vernon, who 
is one of film's great villains slash sleazy dudes. Like you always just hate him. What he's else? always like he's always like the evil dean in something. Like oh. Animal House, he's like the dean. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, like that kind of character of like you just really he's, love to hate him. Oh, he's just fucking vile. He's vile in everything he did. He's vile. He's like he's like a big bear man, but he's just like so vile you just can't even be like into him. He's just awful. <laughs> he's just awful. He's just awful. That that's that's very true. I was not into him at all. <laughs> no, not into him. Not into him. He's just such a fucking creep. When when Brooke is having like a conniption fit and he goes it's it's Brooke, right? He goes into her room, he's like reassuring her. Mm-hmm. Um, after like screaming at her, then he's reassuring her. Then he just, then he's like, you need to go to bed and rest, puts her to bed and then sits down on the bed next to her and then starts, you know, trying to canoodle with her. Mm-hmm. And then it's and so canoodle. F- they do canoodle. They do. And then it's so fucking satisfying when, what do you know? Samantha Sherwood was just outside that door and knows what's up. So she goes to her room. She grabs a gun. She goes, and she shoots them. She shoots him. He flies out the window. He flies in another window. He falls out the second story window and falls in the first story window (laughs) in which he is very satisfyingly not just shot but then impaled through his back on a gigantic piece of glass yes he's very dead and it is fantastic it's sad that brooke has also been shot but at least you know she's just laying dead in the snow right she doesn't get the double (laughs) she doesn't get the double of the giant shard of impossible physics yeah. I wonder what Neil deGrasse Tyson would have to say about that fall. Oh, God. <laughs> in Canada, it's like how it, it's like in Australia, how the water flushes backwards. Exactly. Gravity is different in Canada. Yeah, people fall in, not down. Mm-hmm. So, Duh. Just so you know. Just so you know. Science facts. Um, Science facts. <laughs> Samantha Sherwood shoots the, shoots the director and shoots Brooke. They die. Um, and then at that point, there's also Matthew, who's like the creepy proto, uh, Adrian Brody, or, um, is that his name? Who's the guy that was Kylo Ren? Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Yeah. He's like a creepy, gross proto Adam Driver, (laughs) who's like (laughs) there for no reason except to make out with Tara in the hot tub, right? Right. And then he just vanishes, because I guess he had a death scene that just never happened. And then later we see him dead in the jacuzzi, but... Nobody knows why he's in this movie. Um, And then everyone's basically dead at that point, except Tara and the comedian who is, who we haven't seen forever, um, Patty O'Connor. And then Samantha Sherwood is, uh, we were assuming she's just off wearing a wonderful gown, sitting in a room, staring at a gun or something. (laughs) And then we have this, that's when the movie just begins to, it just turns into a different film. (laughs) Yes. They try to conclude with what they have, but we really could get a wrap-up that comes back to that initial kind of kickoff point of Samantha being broken out by her friend. Mm-hmm. So in- instead we get a gr- what is admittedly a great chase sequence in a very bizarre set piece that doesn't make any sense why he keeps all of his props in, like, a shed that is a labyrinth attached to his house but we get a great chase sequence where once again we see tara really kind of being smart and outwitting this killer and knocking like 
That that was some Laurie Strode H2O action. She was doing, she was like in the running as a great final girl. Yeah, when the slasher go, oh yeah, a great final girl that we have learned nothing about at this point. Yeah. But when that, when the killer comes running up and she sees that body and, or she sees like what looks like the back of Tara um, hiding behind like a wood beam and the killer runs up and just starts stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. And then, oh shit. The what you think is a mannequin hanging next to that is actually fucking Tara hanging from a beam and she kicks her in the face. Mm-hmm. It's full on Laurie Strode, a.k.a. Excuse- Carrie Tate, jumping down from the ceiling on Michael with that axe. It's some Chris Higgins shit. It's Chris Higgins. Thank you for calling me in. <laughs> it's some Chris Higgins shit. And then the killer gets knocked down, blah, 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 uh, until, unfortunately, Tara does not make it. She does not. It doesn't make a lot of sense the way she dies. It really but, doesn't. But oh well. But as we know, the physics in this house are very strange. So a killer could be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anything goes. And this killer who who seems to be pretty clued in to like, okay, I'm gonna bury this doll over here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go entrap Tara and stalk her in this prop labyrinth. Um, then does not seem to be aware that of a gunshot <laughs> that happens yeah. or the fact that Samantha Sherwood has just murdered the Jonathan Stryker and Brooke Parsons because finally we get to this, this the culminating scene in which we see Patty O'Connor popping a bottle of champagne. Samantha Sherwood walks in. Um, Samantha is very proud of the fact that she has shot and murdered Jonathan Stryker. And Patty is horrified because she just killed all of these women. And this was her chance to make it out of the stand-up comedy world and make it out of waitressing and make it out of constant auditioning and to be a movie star. And Samantha Sherwood just killed the auteur that was going to give her that chance. <sighs> did I think that they she was popping that... Sh- in that moment, did I think she was popping that champagne because the two lovers were reunited <laughs> yeah. and celebrating? Oh, I'm so sorry. That's what I fucking want. Wouldn't that be so amazing? Imagine a world. So some, so Patty is horrified by this revelation. Um, and because she is Audra, she takes the knife and she kills Samantha Sherwood. And then we get a fade out as we see... Patty O'Connor, once again, we hear the voiceover from her stand-up comedy routine from earlier in the film, and we see her um, standing in a hospital robe doing her Audra performance on a, with a little handwritten sign um, that says Patty is Audra, performing it for the other Tickle Me Wheelchair Elmos and, and perms <laughs> in the asylum. And that's the end of the movie. And that's curtains. And then there's two sets of credits. There's an act one because of <laughs> there was yes. the first production era. The different crews. Yeah. yeah. And then there's an act two, which recognizes the reshoots. Yep. Um, however, the original ending was supposed to be Patty O'Connor doing her routine for the corpse party. Yeah. Which would have been so fucking lit. Would have been so amazing. So I'm and like, yet, ugh. someone thought that was too ludicrous. And I say, have you ever seen a slasher movie? Have you seen Granny Slasher on ice skates? <laughs> In yeah, your own is, fucking this movie? This is your problem? Yeah. Did you see the doll dream sequence? Yeah. Did you see the how physics work in Canada? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. I love that Patty is the killer. Yeah. I also think, I don't know, I think this movie really has some really smart things to say about that auteur myth, about about yes. um, men overstepping boundaries in the name of creativity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating that Samantha is sort of the, Samantha's very me too, proto me too, in that she's like, I'm not fucking taking it. I'm fucking shooting this piece of shit. I don't mm-hmm. need him. And Patty, God bless her as much as I love her, Patty is still the woman that is willing to cut down other women and willing to play by those same shitty antiquated rules Mm -hmm. to the point that when everyone's going around and saying, I'd kill for the part, I'd fuck for the part. Patty was like, you know, she's like, well, I'd I'd go down on him. Right. And she laughs at it. And like, she's sincere in saying that. Mm -hmm. So it's like she, in the end, I mean, yeah, they, the two of them could have eased. I mean, they could have come up with some story about how Matthew did it. Right. They could have they could have said Jonathan lost his mind or Matthew or they both did it or something. They mm-hmm. could have made Audra together. Mm-hmm. But instead, no, Samantha had to die because she killed the man who is the creator, who is the only chance, who is the guy that inspires greatness in his actors. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of weirdly thoughtful, I think, for being what it is. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's why the remake is going to be lit. God, it really could be like a full-on Suspirio-style remake of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it would still have to be a little Dynasty and trashy in '80s, but like, oh sure, it could be so good and so yeah. gay. So gay. I kept thinking, man, where's the gayness? I kept... where's the gayness? There was that scene. There was the. I was like, oh, it's happening again with this weird fondling sequence. But oh wait, it's the fondling just a... sequence was just like so bizarre because it's framed initially with such a close-up that it seems like Mm -hmm. something's actually happening and then you're like oh no it's just this actress being made to do something she really doesn't want to do yeah but even the way she's like shaking and quivering it feels very like you know the first time gay experimentation right like if only she could speak we could if only she was afforded a voice (laughs) yeah Yeah, and then before she even gets to say anything striker pops up and starts screaming at her yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. lots of interesting expressions of women, women's sexuality, uh, lots of, uh, it, it's so close to becoming so gay. Mm-hmm. And then it just never got to go exactly as far as I'm, gone. As far as I'm concerned, that was totally some lesbian shit with Samantha and her mystery There's pal. There's no question. There's no question. I just wish so badly that that was Patty. Yeah. Right? <laughs> i mean then you have a whole new ending so but i just assume it's her you know lesbian pal who broke her out of the mental hospital but i mean that just that just tells me that that has to have been that has to have initially tied back in the script because the fact that the fact that they you hear her voice and that we see her hair but not her face Right, and it's really deliberate. Like, she sounds like uh, Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Like, the voice is, like, dubbed in or something. Yes, I care about you. (laughs) It doesn't, it just doesn't seem like, uh, it's a a choice to not show her face. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, there was supposed to be a a reveal of, and now the lover steps out. Yeah. So, Curtains is gay. Curtains is gay. 
There you go. <laughs> it's a mess. It's also a gym. Mm-hmm. I I see the problems now. I do, and I recognize them, and I still think it's fucking perfect. Yeah. I can't wait for our more a perfect remake. <laughs> Stacy, do we have a listener question today? Indeed we do. And this is a great question to end our Great Value Slasher event, for sure. Uh, Blake asks, if you were to star in your own Great Value Slasher, what would your mask be? And what inciting incident would provoke your murderous spree? <laughs> and, you know, I realize... That I, sometimes, most of the time, answering questions, I tend to give a behind-the-music sort of <laughs> look at all of the things I did not choose as my answer. <laughs> and I'm going to do it again. I Fuck kind you. of am, too. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, I just, I think it's worthy of a discussion. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, if someone asks... Uh, quite, you know, what's your favorite movie about this? And then I just say the Apple Dumpling Gang, and that's the end of Conway. it. Who cares? <laughs> Con- yeah, who cares? Right? Don't you want to hear all the not answers? Also, everything that it's like that <laughs> SNL Super Showcase skit where they're like, "Here's everything you didn't win." Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I had trouble with this one. I had a little bit of trouble because when I think about slasher movies, it's like, what are the inciting incidents? It's usually some form of humiliation or like in the burning where they set Cropsey on fire and then he gets his revenge or seeing someone killed. And I just I think to myself to quote masterpiece Nailgun Massacre. I don't think I have ever shown any mental disorders that would push my mind into a state of killing. You know, like I've, uh, you know, who hasn't been humiliated? Uh, granted, I haven't been humiliated on the level of some of these people in slasher movies. Yeah, but like we're gay. We're used to it, right? We're gay. We're used to being humiliated <laughs> on a daily basis. Somebody, I, I just did a workshop on like drag and someone was like, how do you develop a thick skin to not, um, to be okay doing it? And I was like, it's called being gay. Like you just, you become a callus growing up. Yeah, you just become a callus. It's like, excuse me, the gay lords of darkness are two homos, two theater performer homos. Do you think we haven't been humiliated? (laughs) We willingly humiliate ourselves every day. Every day, every week on this show. This show (laughs) is proof enough that we have been humiliated. We humiliate ourselves. You know? You should see us so, going out to dinner. My God. <laughs> you should see us hanging out. You know? And so basically, I'm like, what would it take? What kind of humiliation would drive me to kill people? Like, I'm not. Uh, what am I going to kill somebody? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know that I'd be very good at it. Too much planning, too much coordination. Um, even like a physical thing. If somebody set me on fire, I'd be like. Well, how am I going to pay these medical bills? First of all, my first, my first concern. I live in America, right? Like, oh, great. Thanks for the bankruptcy. 
<laughs> I appreciate it. You don't kill. You just sit down and get depressed. <laughs> yeah, I just get depressed, oh. you know? So it's like, as a regular slasher, I just don't, I don't have that sort of vengeful spirit over, you know, I'll just be like, well, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. They yeah. they tricked me. They told me it was a lady who wanted to have sexy times, and it was a dead body. Yeah, it was well, a that's fucking terrible. hand candle that set me on fire. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna not talk to them anymore. Yeah. I'm not gonna go full terror train and spend where am I gonna get the money to buy all these masks <laughs> and too much planning. I've talked about how sometimes I forget to put on pants before I go outside. Do you think I can actually like plan out You go out and bury the doll in advance? <laughs> yeah, you think I'm gonna remember to pack the doll? Like that's I'm gonna get to the fucking Audra house and be like, I didn't bring my mask gonna- now. What am I gonna do? And so I walk in and they're like, Stacy, what are you doing? And I'm holding a knife and they're like, what, what are you you're, doing? It's like, well, I was going to kill you. Your little to-do list. And to my, pack, pack doll, pack granny pack mask, doll. pack ice I, skates. I'm a big list maker when I go somewhere. I'm like, how many days? How many pairs of underwear I'm going to... So I can't even get away with it because then the police would go into my apartment and see like, oh, well, she packed four pairs of underwear, a big knife. (laughs) A doll. A doll and a hag mask. That sounds about right. That's literally just you going to women with guts. Yeah, that's me. That's me going to women with guts. That's me when I go to visit you. It's true. I bring my doll. I bring my hag mask. And plenty of underwears. The doll, I mean, the doll gets you through TSA pretty quick because they open up that bag and they just say, never mind, ma'am. Keep moving. Keep moving. Yeah. Humiliation. I get flagged every time I go through TSA. I don't know why, but I do. Anyway, so I was thinking about regular slashers. Uh, it's not for me. I'm just not good at it. You got to lug all the bodies around to make the corpse party. You do. Or create, you have to be good you, with like rope and string and stuff for that. Yeah, rope stuff. If you're going to do the, or imagine doing the corpse gauntlet. My imagine God. Halloween where, you know, Lori opens the closet and here comes Linda's body swinging out. Like, I don't know how to do that. That's like, that's like you need a pulley and like all kinds of shit. That's too, yes. let alone, no. I don't have any upper body strength. I can't lift up a. Absolutely. Now, someone would walk in on me trying to hoist <laughs> just, the body out. You throw your back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Stacey, why are you laying on my floor in underwear and a hag mask? Holding a doll and trying to lift this corpse. I'd be like, girl, it's Saturday. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so what would get me into a state of killing? And I think about all of the shitty politicians that we have, all of the people who don't allow for universal health care so that when someone sets me on fire, I'm going to go bankrupt. Right. And so I would want to kill all of them. And I thought on the one hand, well, I could go full Madame Defarge from A Tale of Two Cities. Right. And I could be like the knitter and have my (laughs) knitting needle. And, <laughs> and knit, then knit all their names into a scarf. But then, like, first, of all, first of all, I don't know how to knit. Second of all, <laughs> despite what Rhonda Johnson has shown, I don't know that knitting needles would be super effective. Like, Lori pokes Michael with a knitting needle and he's like, ow. And, yeah, and he's just like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, why would you do that? And so I'm like, I don't know. Also, what am I going to wear, right? 
But I still want to keep that French revolutionary spirit. Although carrying around a guillotine is impractical. A pocket guillotine is not big enough. <laughs> travel size guillotine. It's yeah. under 3.4 like, ounces, so you can that, check it. Yeah, stick it your finger in there. Now stick another finger. Oh, like uh, Amber Heard. Like Amber Heard with Johnny Depp. Stick your finger in there. No, keep going. Another finger. And now put your dick in there. Yeah. Everything. Chopped off individually. So I thought, well, I could be like an executioner. And then I finally settled on it. I'm an executioner. I've got the hood, which could be scary. And an axe that I can use to chop off heads. Cool. Yeah, so I could be the headsman, and I won't even mind that they're misgendering me and assuming that it must be a man, because women don't cut off heads. The heads, they. The heads, they. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the heads, they. No, but they can call me a headsman. That's fine. Because then they'll be shocked when I'm. it's finally revealed that, yes, women can also chop off heads. Women can do anything these days. Yes. Yes. The end. That's my answer. That. Wow. <laughs> How do I even follow that? That's just Behind beautiful. the music. Behind the music. That's just fucking beautiful. <laughs> I had trouble with the fucking triggering event, particularly because I'm like, well, what the fuck? I mean, similar thing. Like, I'm not going to go off and start killing people. I mean, when I'm in traffic, I feel like I'm going to. But I don't I don't just mm, I don't have that exactly either. And then I'm thinking, OK, triggering event. Do I go like autobiographical, like deep psychology for me? Or do I go Ooh. like do I go like what would more likely be the cause, which is like, you know. The Trader Joe's parking lot. Ugh. Like, that, the Trader Joe's parking lot is reason enough to it's go a on a nightmare. killing spree, right? Oh, for sure, um, for sure. Uh, uh, if I read one more article that says uh, how big a, of a flop Birds of Prey is, there's a triggering Or event. another, read one more article about what an incredible film Parasite is. <laughs> yes. I, we talked about Parasite. Look. Parasites, I have never hated a film that I have liked as much as I feel about Parasites. Same. The metaphor isn't even a metaphor. It's just right there on the screen. People, <laughs> let's all calm down. It's not saying, I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm never going to think about capitalism the same way again. I had no idea that rich people didn't like poor people, and but also that poor people could be assholes. Like... <laughs> Why is everyone acting like this is some fucking profound movie? It's good, but let's all Because relax. they read subtitles and they're proud of themselves. And they want everyone to know <sighs> how woke they are by reading subtitles. <sighs> it's a fantastic movie. It's so good. The whole, but, but let's relax. But did you see Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No, because did Neon didn't it? fucking release it until like one night in a theater once this year in 2020. Mm-hmm. There were better uh, movies made. There were better movies than Parasite. Para- and there, ha- there it- have been movies that are smarter about the class system, et cetera, et cetera, than Parasite. It was so, it was like rich versus poor, like plainly on the screen. There was nothing to like, you didn't have to infer anything. It was just laid out for you. Am I stoked that Parasite won an Oscar out of all those choices? 
Absolutely. Yes. That's so unlike the Oscars. Do you know how used I am to like fucking crash winning over like Brokeback Mountain <laughs> or or what what was it, the fucking Shape of Water winning Best Picture? Like, <laughs> come on, people. Parasite, thank God, at least a movie that maybe was worthy for Best Picture one for once. Yeah, I've loved but, it. I love it. But is that any different than me being so excited? Uh, or, you know, being happy that Renee Zellweger won an Oscar because I love that she disappeared into obscurity and then came back and then everyone was critical of how her face looked and then she won a fucking Oscar. Yeah, I think that's fucking cool. Did she deserve it for doing a Judy Garland impersonation in a terrible movie? No! But <laughs> at least she took away the gold from the fucking assholes and then did that weird-ass speech where she was basically once again Jodie Foster coming out. But she was like, I'd like to thank all the puppies and the llamas and all... All of our heroes like slash like it was so weird but that to the same end of parasite winning yes thank you i'm glad that the i'm glad that that's just one less oscar going to joker that's great that's true that's fucking great but that said can you stop fucking creaming yourselves like it's the best movie ever made? <laughs> and the most oh, let's re-release it in black and white. No, now we're gonna re-release it in IMAX. Now we're gonna re-release it in smell of it. No, because you like, know what? what? When they re-released it in black and white, Stacy fucking came to town because we were getting a wide release of Portrait on a Lady on Fire. And then what happened? Parasite won Best Picture, and they decided to put it out in black and white, even though it serves no purpose. Just like the Midsummer Director's Cut, it's just more movie. Mm -hmm. So they put it out, it's a fucking cash grab, and then Portrait of a Lady on Fire lost its fucking neon slot with distributors because of that, or with, with theaters. So I flew from Portland she to Portland. She flew! In the era of coronavirus. In the era of coronavirus, I took a risk. I had to get groped by TSA yet again. I had to, there was a problem with my plane. It took me literally 16 hours to get from Portland to Portland so that I could see Portrait of a Lady on Fire on the big screen with Anthony. Mm-hmm. And it got bumped for Parasite in black and white. And we watched a screener watched on a, screen. a DVD in my house on a TV. We still saw it. What? It was incredible. It was fucking incredible. Everyone needs to see this movie. It was fucking incredible. I think Anthony's first experience with it could have been better. I think my first experience could have been better. I've only seen screeners. Am I ever going to get to see it on the big screen? Probably not. Is this a hate crime? Absolutely. It's homophobic. It's homophobic. It's fucking homophobic. The movie's incredible. And like, like you said, Portrait of a Lady on Fire in one little tiny scene does encapsulates the entire class statement of Parasite mm -hmm. that Parasite hits you over the head with with a rock. Yeah. In a way um, that you have to actually think about it. It's not just like, oh, look at the poor man is driving the rich man and the rich man says something smells funny mm -hmm. in here. Like, mm -hmm. like, wow, what a metaphor, I guess. I don't know. So that, that that's said. My, <laughs> that's, that's my fucking triggering event. It's going to be a period piece. It's going to be early 2020 when the Oscars are just happening, right? <laughs> it's going to be when that's happening. It's going to be when Birds of Prey, everyone's calling that a flop, even though I fucking loved it. It's a perfect movie and everyone should have seen it because you all love every fucking comic book movie except the one that stars six, like, queer women in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then if I see one more post from people that I admire talking about Bernie Sanders instead of Elizabeth Warren. Oh God. If I, I know, I know everyone loves Bernie and that's great. I'm glad you, I'm glad you are aware that politics exist. However, <laughs> the answer is Elizabeth Warren. The answer the is Elizabeth answer. Warren. 
the correct answer has been Elizabeth Warren for a decade. And if I see one more person talking about fucking Parasite or talking about Bernie Sanders or talking about Birds of Prey. So this is my, this is the triggering event. Oh, it's happening. My outfit. It's not just a mask. I'm going to be, because it's early 2020, I'm going to be Baby New Year. Oh, no! (laughs) Baby New Year! Baby New Year is going to, is going to reap a harvest. (laughs) It's going to be dirty diapers. It's going to be pacifiers. It's going to be sashes and a tiara. Wow. What are you, you're going to kill people with dirty diapers? Well, I mean, I could like I could like smother them with a dirty diaper, right? That could, yeah, that could work. I could. And that I could go, sounds. Ooh. That's very like sleepaway camp five. It is, yeah. And mm. I, I go, Google Gaga, and then I and then I, <laughs> I, I smother like, them with I a diaper. I don't like that part. I mean, well, Stacey, not I everything know. has to be for you. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so accustomed to it as a as a lesbian. I'm so accustomed to all things being for me. With the one DVD screener you got in your entire lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So I'm Baby New Year. My other alternative options, because I was thinking, well, is Baby New Year too close to like, like, because the mask would have to be like a baby. So I was like, is that too close to like the Happy Death Day mask? Oh, right, right. But I mean, really, Happy Death Day is just a person in a hoodie with that mask. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Baby New Year is strong enough of an image that she could stand on her own because it's, it's like the full nude baby, but with the diaper and the sash. Um, so it's like, it's more of a full physical outfit are versus you, just... Are you going to be in, like, you know, when people put on those fake sumo wrestler outfits? Yes. Yeah, but like it's wrinkled, not just gonna baby wrinkles. It's not just going to be like you in a diaper, is it? No, it wouldn't be me in a diaper because I'm very modest even when I'm murdering people. Okay. So it would be me in like a full like wrinkly baby or like on Drag Race, which I, I mean, it's a terrible show. I don't watch it. But they used to, when they would do the nude illusion and they wear like a full body like skin suit. Okay. Not like a woman, not like a, not like a Buffalo Bill, like, woman suit, but, like, <laughs> a full, like, wrinkly baby costume. Yeah, yeah. And then, but w- with the diaper, with the sash, with the little hat, like, doesn't he have a little top hat? A little top hat, I think. A little top hat. Maybe every now and then, like, when I do my one-liners, I also have a cigar, because a smoking baby's cute. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I just, I go and I just, I, I murder. But then I was thinking, because I was like, is it too similar to Happy Death Day? The only other thing I could think of for like a good mask would be like a CPAP machine. And then there's like a whole sleep apnea storyline. So I don't know. <laughs> and sleep apnea is your triggering condition? Yeah, that's the other one. It's just like, you know, I have to hear snoring. So then I kill them. I take the sleep, the CPAP machine. And then I go on a rampage at the sleep study. Okay. But that feels more like a, a Canadian movie to me. Versus Baby New Year, <laughs> Baby New Year has a bad day. Baby New Year's Day out. Baby right? New Year's Day out. And I just, I get back for the the litany of affronts that I have suffered through so far in this early, early, early 2020. And it's only whatever month this is. I, I just think of how much more fun we're going to have this year. <laughs> I mean, I hope election season never ends. Mm. For sure. It feels like it never will. Like, we just perpetually live in election cycles now as Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good. I think, you know what, here's... Now, not to not to foist my opinions onto your baby New Year slasher, but to <laughs> me, it sounds like... 
I'm just hear me out that a lot of this uh, stems from online affronts. Yes. So what I'm saying horror. is, yes, let's go Baby New Year eye horror. Let's see that Baby New Year with some internet fingers on. <laughs> People have to down. It's like countdown, and they download the the Baby New Year app. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when you get the Google Gaga. That's when you know you're gonna die. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. And people are like, people are like, oh, does it smell like dirty diapers? And then they hear like, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes maybe it smells like talcum powder. Sometimes it smells like talcum powder, and that's how they get you because talc. You get, and I know this because I'm a clown. You get, you get clown lung. It's oh. like black lung, but you get white lung because oh. of all the talc that's in that. So then, uh, so I put you in a room, and I say. Goo goo. And then I and then I shoot the talc at you. Yeah, you have then, that big butt jug of like Johnsons and Johnsons and you're just like poof poof. Yeah, yeah, poof, and it yeah. just and it, it takes a lot of it takes a long it takes time. Takes a long time. <laughs> but And then you and wait the, 30 years and yeah. oh that mesothelioma's gonna get him in the end. I just know it. <laughs> but nobody knows how old I am in that span of time because I'm just there dressed like baby. They just baby think New Year. They say, That's a very tall baby. <laughs> and they say don't body shame because it's all internet shit so they're like don't body shame that baby people come up they, there's like the family like walking through the park and they see the crib or the the, the pram <laughs> and then they go crib. someone someone well shut up. And then someone <laughs> someone walks up and they go oh baby and they reach into the pram and then i go baby new year and then i pop out and then i shoot the talc at them I like the way you say your own name. That's like a slasher trope for sure. The, the way slasher, uh, he always goes, Michael. Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, or Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leatherface always says Leatherface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a trope. Wow. Well, so they I say baby and then they die. I think we have some really good ideas. I think I could see it teaming up. I could see the, the heads they and baby New Year. <laughs> Just reaping vengeance in 2020. I mean, it's very timely. Both of our killers are very timely. Mm-hmm. You're fighting back at the political machine. Yeah. I'm fighting back at um, people Jerks. that don't, don't affect me at all, but annoy me on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both valid, as far as I'm concerned. So timely. Both We're timely. nothing if not vastly contemporary. That's what everyone has always said about me. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Stacy Ponder, a vastly contemporary woman <laughs> situated entirely in 70s and 80s made for TV movies. Careful. What? I'm celebrating you. I'm just saying. The heads they is going to get you. <laughs> just reaching for that axe. Reaching for my miniature guillotine. Who knows what I'll chop off. <laughs> I love that you have to ask people to put their parts in the miniature guillotine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, now, now do another finger. <laughs> Try it again. It's different this time, I swear. Yeah, also, it's an honor system that they're going to keep putting fingers into it while I chop <laughs> yeah, them all yeah. off. Yeah, I like killers that operate on the honor system. <laughs> yeah. It's well, very trust-based. It's very trust-based. Well, oh, my well God. that is the great value slashers event stravaganza can you believe it it's over already look at what we've look at what we did look at what we did that's incredible what a lovely what a lovely what did you learn during great value slashers stravaganza i love slasher movies i mean i knew that but it really 
got my herpes flaring. You know, my slasher herpes <laughs> flared up. You're contagious again. I'm contagious again. I've got slasher sores all over me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just really reignited my love of slasher movies. It's so funny because it's, it's like we can go back and forth and be like, ah, I've seen all of them. Yeah. But then it's so nice to go back, especially going back and looking at the weirdos, right? I love the weird ones. It's easy to give, be like, well, I've seen Halloween four, eight hundred times. Right. I've seen all the Friday 13th. I love the Friday 13th. They're perfect. That's It's the best franchise besides Child's Play. But, like, I've seen them all a million times. And so it's so nice to go back and watch these weirdos. Yeah. Who I really feel kinship with because they're fucking weird. Mm-hmm. They're the gay kids of slasher movies. They're the gay kids of slasher movies. And it's been nice to, like, you know, have listeners watch them and chime in on stuff. And I think it's just been yeah. a fun event. My favorite, my favorite of all the, um, and thank you everyone for following along and watching and commenting and, and be- taking part in it with us. But my favorite one was just with Nailgun Massacre. When, <laughs> like, everyone was just, like, live-tweeting as they were watching it. And they're like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. It deserves that. For so sure. good. So who knows what we're going to do next week? We don't know yet. We got, we're clueless. We're clueless. We, were, we scheduled ourselves up till here. So it, all bets are off. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe it's just all Real Housewives from now on. It could be. <laughs> Maybe it's just oh, horror movies starring housewives. I would love that. There's a there's quite a few of them actually. Yeah. Um anything anything goes. Um if you if you want us to go in a certain direction, I mean we will bring bring back great value slashers inevitably much like we've brought back ire app horror um here and there. So like we'll be doing more of that, but if if there's any suggestions or different genres you want us to to jump into, um, send us a message at Gaylords at Gaylords of Darkness. You can email us there. You can reach out to us on Facebook at Gaylords of Darkness. We are on Twitter at Gaylords of D. And we are on Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness. You know where to find us. You sure do. Uh, all right. Well, farewell. So long. Farewell. I'll feed her Zane. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.